2: Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to our post-game show following the Browns' 10-7 win at First Energy Stadium over the Houston Texans. This is also, of course, our Sunday night slash Monday morning podcast. Before we get to it, i got to tell you about Football Insider because the folks that you're going to hear who jumped in the Zoom, who were listening while we were recording, who participated, they're all Football Insider subscribers. So you go to cleveland.com Browns, there's a blue banner at the top of the page to get all that information, get yourself signed up. Get your newsletter every day with exclusive content. Get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns and get involved in our texting where me, Ellis Scott and Mary Kay will text you uh, during the day with news analysis, nuggets from interviews, uh, all sorts of different things. So something you want to check out, go to cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get your info, get signed up. Now here's our post-game podcast. everybody, welcome to our post-game Browns podcast. I am Dan Lobby and I'm joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you?
1: Doing great, Dan. How are you doing?
2: Doing well, and we will be joined by all sorts of people here on our post-game Zoom, including our Football Insider subscribers, but I'm sure we'll hear from Doug, Scott, and Ellis here at some point. But first, Mary Kay, let's kick this off. The Browns 10-7 to winners, an ugly game against the Houston Texans. And where else should we start? Nick Chubb was back. And we certainly felt his presence in this football game. This was all about Nick Chubb and kind of his triumphant return to the field.
1: It really was. You just cannot say enough about the game that he had. It was tremendous. Uh, you know, they, they kind of took it a little easy with him uh, in, in the first half. You know, they, they didn't want to overdo it, I don't think, with him. And then uh, they just unleashed him in the second half and boy he just remember how we had been talking about dan how nick's the kind of guy that will put this team on his back and this town on his back and try to carry it to victory that's exactly what we saw today that's the kind of player that nick chubb is browns fans have got to be so happy uh that they have him in their midst and he is on this cleveland browns football team it was cleveland browns football through and through it was actually the first time kareem i mean nick chubb and kareem hunt two guys rushing for 100 yards first time it's happened since 1966 (laughs) unbelievable you even believe that uh so so exciting for those guys uh to be able to do that and then obviously uh the way that nick chubb ended the game preserved the victory selfless smart and just exactly uh what they're trying to build here in cleveland
2: Yeah. And it was funny. He said, um, he said after the game that he was happy that it was such a long run because he didn't really, really think about going out of bounds until the last 10 yards or so. Um, But, you know, really just having him back seemed to put everything else in place. You know, we always talk about the dominoes, right? You know, Wyatt Teller's back on the offensive line and, and that kind of helps put all those dominoes in place. So having Nick Chubb back kind of put Kareem Hunt back where he's supposed to be a little bit and, and Kareem Hunt looked refreshed out of the bye today. Yeah, I mean, you said it, they both rushed for hundred yards and it was really Kareem Hunt that was running out the clock there until that big final Nick Chubb run. Um, and, and it just sort of put everything back in place. It took a lot of pressure off of Baker Mayfield today. Um, this was a tough day to throw the football, you know, even Deshaun Watson was having some trouble throwing the football, but um, th- this took a lot of pressure off of Baker Mayfield. And, and we saw that they were sort of, you um, Maybe me saying this is a whole nother discussion, but they were able to sort of minimize Baker a, a little bit today because of the re- the return of Nick Chubb. So everything just felt right today, even on a day when it was really difficult to do things.
1: Yeah, as everyone knows, the game started out with a weather delay, 37 minutes that they, uh, w- they had to go back inside the locker room. So everyone had to maintain their focus, but it really was the kind of, of day that you build your team like this. It's why you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, for days like this because that is what AFC North football is going to be like in November and December when you want to be at your strongest. Now, did we know that Nick Chubb was going to be able to come back from five weeks off, actually this is six weeks off with his sprained MCL and just look like he hasn't missed a beat? Well, he kind of looked that way in practice, but I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to hold up during an entire football game like that. But I mean, he proved it, especially on that long, long run uh, at the very end that, you know, that he totally 100% uh, has what it takes. And, and like you said, uh, you know, this is the kind of football that, that needs to be played. And, and as you mentioned now, I mean, this was not the kind of a game where you could pass the football. I mean, it was, they were saying that it was just as bad. It was worse from a win standpoint than even the Raiders game, which is saying a lot. Uh, so it just wasn't a day where you were going to complete many passes Deshaun only completed 20 Baker completed 12. I just, I, I don't think we can grade Baker on this game or the last game. I mean, these are really tough games for a quarterback to get the job done, but that's why the Browns are built tough for this kind of day.
2: Right. And uh, you know, a credit to, to Kevin Stefanski, I thought he made that big adjustment coming out of the locker room. They ran the ball, uh, 17 times in the first half and threw the ball 14 times. And then for the game, they ended up with over 40 runs. I think they ran 24 times in the second half uh, and they didn't throw the ball much at all in the second half. I, I got to pull up the, the full stats here, but I believe it was only six throws uh, in the second half. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Baker ended up with 20 attempts. So uh, the, the run to pass ratio shifted pretty dramatically. Now, some of that is because they were running the clock out, you but very clearly Kevin Stefanski decided in the second half that maybe they weren't running the football enough. And he decides to go heavy on the run uh, 24 times in the second half of this football game. And I think one of the most impressive stretches was the go ahead, the first touchdown uh, when they just handed the ball to Nick Chubb four straight times, Baker made a really good throw on that drive. So we'll give him credit there. But then they just handed the football to Nick Chubb and said, all right, take this home. Because it really felt like that touchdown was gonna to be and it was enough. It really felt like that touchdown was gonna to be enough to sort of break the Texans.
1: Absolutely. Once it got to 10-nothing, you just didn't get the, the feeling that they were going to win, that the Texans could mount yeah. enough of a comeback to come back and win the game. This is it was just such such tough sledding. It was like the once they got it and broke out the 10-nothing lead. It just seemed like it was over at that point. Now, of course, they made it close because Deshaun Watson is who he is. My goodness, he's a good quarterback. Um, But it it did seem over at that point. And you're right. That's what they did to put this away. It must be remembered though. we have to say this, even though it's going to sound like I'm raining on the parade a little bit. This was the 32nd ranked run defense. Okay, But this is what you're supposed to do against this 32nd ranked run defense. And you're right. Kevin Stefanski, they made a nice halftime adjustment and they came out and they decided they were going to pound the ball, possess the clock, keep it out of Deshaun Watson's hands as much as possible, and just take advantage of the fact that they were playing against a defense that can't stop the run. And that's what you need to do. You need to do the things that make sense. And they did it. They wrote it to a victory. And it was, a, it was such a triumphant, feel-good return uh, for Nick Chubb. I think this is a great feel good game for the fans, because once again, you know, when you start talking about not having done something since Leroy Kelly did it, you know, <laughs> you know, there, there's a whole segment of, of Browns fans that really appreciate uh, this kind of, you know, pounded out kind of football.
2: Yeah. And, you know, this was obviously an important win because it gets you to six and three, but you'd also lost two out of three games. You lost a really brutal game to the Raiders, um, you know, before the bye. And you had to beat this team, right? This is the team you had to beat because the Texans are not a very good football team. They're not a very good defensive team. It's Deshaun Watson and not much else. David Johnson went on IR on, uh, on Saturday. This is a game you're supposed to win. And, and that's kind of what I wrote after the game is, you know, I don't know if there's a huge takeaway from this game. We already knew Nick Chubb was good. We already knew miles Garrett was really good. And after I make this point, let's talk about miles Garrett real quick before I let you go. Um, but the Browns won a game they needed to win and they're in the middle of a playoff chase and they're six and three. That's what matters.
1: Yes. That's what matters. They have to win all of these games that they, that they are expected to win and they might even need to win a game or two that they're not expected to win. If they want to make the playoffs, it's a tight race. They had to win this game and it wasn't easy. Obviously it wasn't easy. I mean, my goodness, they needed some really big plays. They needed a, a missed field goal uh, by the, by the Texans. They had a 46 yard missed field goal in this game. They had other opportunities to score and they just couldn't get the job done. They had plenty of opportunities. Uh, and obviously, as you mentioned, Miles Garrett came up big a number of times, Um, But the the Browns had to have this. They had to have this game. Could you imagine right now what would be what we would be saying if they let the Texans come in here and they ended up at at five and four. I, I mean, that just, it would, you know, it would almost seem like the sky is falling right now as they kick off the second half of their season. Now it's kind of like, okay. They stayed in the conversation. I don't know what the playoff picture looks like yet because it's a little early for that yet. I think today.
2: Yeah. The dolphins are, the dolphins are playing as we're recording this. Just for yeah. one example.
1: So, you know, we, uh, you know, we'll know later where they stand in, in the playoff chase, but, but they needed this. They, need this. they need this. They need the Eagles. They need the Jaguars. They need the jets. They need the giants. They have to have these games and they got it.
2: Uh, real quick, Miles Garrett. Um, had the sack on third half a sack, I guess on third down uh, on the Texans first drive. That was a big one. But then of course the fourth down stop, because as we saw, you know, we said it when this team got to 10, it felt like this game was over, even though Deshaun Watson made it interesting in the end. If the Texans score a touchdown there, maybe it's not as dire because it's early in the game. We know the Texans defense stinks and the Browns were going to be able to run the ball against them, but you know, it's a different game if Deshaun Watson gets in there, and it's seven to three, even that early in the game. And Miles Garrett makes a big stop uh, on a quarterback draw.
1: It, that was a huge stop by Miles, and he had a really nice first half where he, uh, you know, he had the sack or half a sack, however it turned out. Uh, he stopped Duke Johnson for he dropped Duke for for a loss. Yep. Uh, so he had a couple of drives back-to-back where where he was the game-changer that they need him to be. And those kind of plays, uh, that stop that he made on, on fourth and two, that's where you need your superstar to come up big on defense and make that kind of play. And and good for him. I, I had a feeling, and I, I will continue to have this feeling throughout the second half of the season, he's a man on a mission. He wants NFL Defensive Player of the Year – as well as to go to the playoffs, of course. But along the way, uh, he would like to have that accolade. It means a lot to him. He has unfinished business. He plans on getting it and plays where he just took Deshaun down there for that two-yard loss with 12.54 left in the half are just enormous.
2: And he's been so good this year that I, I didn't realize this, really, until this morning. It's the anniversary, or yesterday was the anniversary of the infamous Mason Rudolph. (laughs) <laughs> incident and he's kind of made that a moot point right now it wasn't some you know I didn't see a lot of people talk about that so uh you know he comes out and has a huge game a, a day after the the year anniversary of, of that moment and this is just a very different miles uh that, that we're seeing like you said definitely on a mission to, to try and win that defense player of the year award
1: yes absolutely 100 uh, percent and you, you know you, you you can't say enough about the fact that Bron- the Browns big name players are coming up big in the games where they are needed. They needed Nick Chubb to have a game like he had today. Right. I mean that last run, they needed that. They needed Kareem and Nick to do what they did because things got very tense there at the end and they needed to close it up. You need miles Garrett to come up with those big, huge plays. So, um, you know, again, this was not, it was not a game for, for the pass. It was not a game for Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and, and all of that he only had 132 yards passing uh fortunately there were no you know there were no turnovers that helped um but yeah this was it was for the most part it was it was a good team victory and again a really good feel good one I'm sure for the fans
2: yeah and you know again that that last you did not want to give the ball back to Deshaun Watson there uh, only a, a score so that was uh that was big uh, for for Nick Chubb, there. All right, Mary Kay, I'll let you go. Um, we're good. Scott Patsco has been waiting uh, patiently here to uh, to jump on, and I believe Ellis is going to be joining us shortly as well. I'm sure Doug will be jumping in here. So, Mary Kay, we will let you go uh, here on our post game show. So the Browns 10 to 7 winners uh, over the Houston Texans, and uh, let me go through real quick how you can get involved here before I bring on Scott. Uh, use that raise hand function, uh, it's right there. If you click on the participants button, uh, you should see a raise hand function on the panel that comes up, or if you're on, if you're on your phone, you should be able to find it the same way. Um, and, and you can get involved, you can jump on video if you want, you can just sit and listen, however you wanna be involved in the show, it's up to you. But if you have something you wanna say, uh, some point you wanna make, feel free to, uh, to participate. You can also use the chat function uh, as well. Folks like to do that too. So now, we will bring on Scott Patsko. Scott, the Browns 10 to seven winners and just sort of your first impressions off this game.
3: You know, years from now, people are going to be looking back at the stats from this game and they're going to see how bad the Texans were at run defense. And they're going to see that the Browns ran for 200 yards and Chubb and Hunt both went over 100. And they'll think, "Ah, all right, that pretty much went as expected. But that's not at all what this game was like. It was just a slog for three quarters and, you know, the fourth quarter, everything finally gelled and whether it was wearing them down or just executing better, uh, you know, you finally got the performance that, that I think we all expected to see. And, uh, but the first three quarters, it was, you know, they couldn't do anything on first down. They, they, they really struggled with third downs. And I mean, the offense just, the offense was supposed to be built for games like this, and they did not look that way for three quarters it was that 11 yard run by Chubb at the end of the third. It just seemed to like kickstart everything. Cause after that, it was like, it was a different team. And, and you had, uh, you know, he, he had another 11 yard run. Chubb, uh, hunt had the 19 yarder. And of course in the 59 yard at the end, just those big plays that kept popping and hunt. I mean, having two backs that can spell each other. That's why Kareem Hunt was able to do what he did on that last drive. Uh, Cause he's, you know, fresher than, than, uh, than anybody would have been if they were running a whole game. So it it paid off and, you know, it wasn't, they got to where they needed to get. They just didn't get there the way everybody expected them to get there.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's certainly not a coincidence that this was the game when Kareem hunt really started to look like Kareem hunt again. Uh, He, like you said, he was fresher. He's healthy coming off the bye, And it's just, it's different when you're that number two back and you're coming in and and you're spelling Nick Chubb and and he's going to help you out with, with carrying the load. Um, obviously Nick Chubb carried the load, but you know what I mean? It's Nick Chubb just kind of made everything go today. And and that was, you know, clear from the very beginning that that's how this was going to be. Um, you mentioned that, that series where, you know, Baker hits Rashard Higgins for 21, I think it was, and then uh, they get the pass interference and they just kind of hand the ball off to Chubb. Uh, to bring them home. And I think you're right, Scott. I think that was kind of the moment when the Browns did figure everything out because I was actually about to tweet right before that completion to Higgins, like maybe it is going to be a lot harder to run the football with Odell Beckham out. Cause we saw a lot of tight boxes from the Texans and, and there wasn't quite as much running room and whatever happened sort of on that series, it just seemed to open the floodgates for the Browns.
3: Yeah. Starting with that first 11 yard run, they ran it, uh, uh, the next 11 plays they ran it 10 times there was just one baker uh pass attempt and then that ended with that run ended with like a third down incompletion completion by baker but uh it was just yeah they whatever was working they, they just stuck with it and it was at that point you know we we're going to run the ball we can run the ball and and finally after three quarters it was it was working
2: now Ellis has uh, has jumped in as well. So, Ellis, let's get your uh, your impressions from this game.
4: Yeah, really, um, an incredible fourth quarter. Uh, I think Browns fans can be proud of the type of team Kevin Stefanski is has put together as in a mantra, a, a mindset of being able to uh, finish games. You know, this team has uh, been winning close games, and uh, this one felt a lot like uh, the Bengals game. And we all have sort of been teasing that all week that, all right, you have a healthy Mick Chubb, Wyatt Teller back, and then a spelling Kareem Hunt. We know how Kevin Stefanski in a perfect world wants to end games. And that's exactly what he did this week. Uh, Scott just shared with the, 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 unbalanced, uh, distribution of run and pass. Uh, this is run, 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 run. Um, in the fourth quarter alone, Chubb had five carries for 82 yards in the score. And Kareem Hunt had eight carries for 68 yards, uh, it's, it's special to see a team that gets stronger as the game goes on. Uh, that's a testament to conditioning, it's a testament to execution, to game plan, and then just talent. This team has the, two, two, the best one-two punch in football. It's probably not close. And I, I heard you guys talking about it before I got on here, but um, a healthy and uh, spelling Kareem Hunt is the best version of Kareem Hunt. He looked fresh every time he touched the ball today, and that ultimately ended up being the difference.
2: Uh, our guy tyson jumping in and saying can we count this as a win if you took the browns minus the points tyson we can count this as a win in our regular picks post that we put up but unfortunately from the picks pod we all took the loss on uh on this one with the three and a half but that's okay it's all right nick chubb you made the right play it's fine um hey real quick did you see the stat after the game that was going
3: around about how long it's been since two browns running backs have gotten over 100 yards each it was 1966 with Ernie Davis and, uh, and Lee I think a lot of people were surprised it wasn't Mack and Biner or, right. you know, it could have been the Pruitts or somebody in the in the, the, the 70s and, and early 80s. But it was kind of shocking to see it's been so long.
2: Yeah, it, you know, Ellis, you mentioned the Bengals game and, you know, it's funny, this game, this game kind of played out like a different Bengals game than I was thinking, you know, coming in, I thought this might be like the Bengals game a few weeks ago. Now that was before that I kind of saw what the weather was going to look like, but I thought in normal conditions, or if we would be, if we were in Houston, this could end up being a shootout, right. And kind of a coin flip, sort of like what that Bengals game was a few weeks ago. Instead this played out a little bit like the first Bengals game. Now it wasn't as high of scoring, but it was, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to dominate the game and they're going to bring the game home. And and so that this was sort of a throwback to what we saw early from the Browns. And I think that's probably the best, the best news the Browns fans can take from this game that this team looked like the Browns uh, from really early in the season before guys started getting hurt, before they lost Chubb, before they lost Teller, this team looked like that, that unit that got out to that four and one start.
4: Yeah. And this is clearly the way they want to play, Uh, take the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands, let their two most talented offensive players Uh, run downhill behind what now looks like one of the best offensive lines in football again with Wyatt Teller back. Um, It's a, it's their clear strength. It's clearly their MO Uh, this team is going to have questions on third and seven and more. We saw that through the first three quarters. Um, But when they're playing uh, ahead and running downhill and converting third and two, rather than those third and seven, eights and nines, um, Kevin Stefanski is very comfortable calling games that way and it's Nick Chubb makes all the difference that that's that's the difference in this game because in the first Cincinnati game it ended up having to be a Baker game because Kareem Hunt just gets worn down and the offensive line then is not able to generate as much because the second running back isn't going to be able to get the yards that Nick Chubb uh, creates after contact or whenever they send those run blitzes so Rather than needing Baker to do anything today, you have Nick Chubb take that role. And this is going to be the game plan going forward. I'd be surprised if it isn't. You know, 19 carries for each of these guys and then three more catches for Kareem Hunt. Um, Only 13 other guys touched the ball today. This is a complete domination of of the Browns' two running backs.
2: Okay, we got somebody with our hand up, so we're going to go to Sean. He's on his iPhone. I've hit the S to unmute. So, Sean, when you get that, uh, you can go ahead.
5: Great. Thanks, everybody. Hey, I, I just want to really give some credit here to, to Stefanski. I think we finally have our coach that's going to be longer than two years. <laughs> and with that said, I thought coming off the bye, I think he arguably had his worst half of calling plays. And, he, you know, he, like I think somebody said earlier, he called a whole bunch of pass plays, but they were long passes. And, and with the wind, Baker was just not even close to completions, but then in the second half, he made his adjustments. He's so disciplined. He uses timeouts. He forced Houston to call a timeout on defense when, when they were lining up to go for it on fourth down, he called a, a, his own timeout on, on a key third down set up the play and we converted it. And I think, I just, I just think Stefanski is awesome. And, uh, last thing I'd like to say is, you know, what happened with Landry when he spiked that ball and did Stefanski take him out after that? Um, again, I, I just love Stefanski. I think he's our future.
2: All right. So yeah, there's, there's kind of a lot there. And the Stefanski thing and the play calling, right. In the first half, I, I touched on this when when Mary Kay was on here, it was, uh, the final stats are 20 passes. And Scott, I think you texted about this too. Um, the, the final stats were 20 attempts by Baker and 41 rushing attempts. But in the first half it was 14 pass attempts and I believe it was 17 rushing attempts. I, I don't, I can't find that here in the game book. Was, I had it
3: as like 15 and 16 because one of yeah. those rushing or a couple were really drop backs for Baker.
2: Yeah. So, right I mean, right they now. clearly came out. And again, those numbers are a little skewed in the second half just because they were trying to run out the clock, but I mean, they're not that skewed. We were all watching the game. We all kind of saw how they, they really did lean on, on those two guys, uh, especially Chubb uh, to run the football. So I think that's, I think that's a Chris, sometimes you have a bad half as a coach, you know, or I don't even know if you call it a bad half, but sometimes you just have a half where things don't go your way or you don't call the, the plays the right way or whatever. And I think we've seen this a couple of times where Kevin Stefanski has made adjustments in the second half and, the team has just played better i mean that is the sign of of a guy that maybe you've got something there
3: just how with how much they struggled to run in the first half I wasn't going to be surprised if they came out and looked a little more like the Texans where i mean they had, the Texans were moving the ball with a lot of really short passes and and screens and just uh basically dump offs or you know short they they weren't keeping the ball in the air very long they wanted to win the cause problems but it wasn't that at all it was Stefanski sticking with a run game and it eventually paid off you know we've seen coaches here uh you know you get to the second half and you wonder you know how many times did we asked where did Nick Chubb go in the second half over uh, the previous couple of years and that wasn't the case today it was Stefanski sticking with a run game he clearly knows what works and even though they weren't having a lot of success it was only three nothing so it was they were still in a situation where they didn't have to Make any drastic changes. It was basically, you know, they needed to execute better and kind of wear down this Texans defense.
4: Yeah. So the, the Browns' um, second and third possessions both started with one yard Nick Chubb runs. So in both those situations, Kevin Stefanski is looking at second and nine and trying to get to third and manageable third and short. You then make decisions to throw the football. Those decisions don't work out. And those both those drives ended in punts. So it was a three-play drive punt, three and out on the second possession, and then a six-play drive that ends in a punt. So uh, the, really it's more about the Browns lack of generating positive yards, specifically positive rush yards on first down that I think was the issue in the uh, the first half, but that'll be interesting to um, look for when we go back and watch the tape of this game.
3: Yeah, I actually charted that. The first drive, they were, they were averaging 7.1 yards per uh, per play on first down the rest of the half it was 2.5 yeah there you um, go. and then the uh those back to back 11 yard runs by chubb kind of kick-started things in the second half because up to then it was again down near you know two point whatever yep. on first down but everything changed in that fourth quarter
0: yeah
4: that first that, whatever happens on that first down it, it changes it, it, how the entire drive's going to go and specifically Kevin Stefanski's play calling clearly
2: Okay, we got a couple hands up, and then Doug joined us. So I'm going to go to our our first hand that's been up a little while, and then, Doug, you can jump in here. So, Ken, I'm going to hit the ask to unmute, uh, and you can go ahead as soon as you do that. Uh, Go ahead. Okay.
4: Hey, um, great game. Glad to see the uh, offense get back rolling again. Uh, I was watching the TV version. I don't know if you guys have heard this, or I think it will be a big deal this week. Uh, Matt Millen was going off on uh, how much better Kareem Hunt was than Nick Chubb, and he must have said it ten, maybe more times than ten uh, during the game about how much faster he was and better he was at getting to the hole. And I don't know if he's got something against Nick Chubb, but it was very hard as a Browns fan sitting there listening to him talking about it. So glad to see Nick Chubb get that run in the end there, but uh just wonder about your comments on uh, matt millen and the tv uh broadcast there today so matt yeah, Millen I, I also dropped
6: to... in a, a big bang reference big bang <laughs> theory reference that. at one point he also called jj watt jc watts who's a former football player who's a congressman from oklahoma <laughs> matt millen has had some health issues he's a fine fella don't listen to anything matt millen says <laughs> That was one of the worst announced games I have ever listened to in my life. He also said CJ Procease was on the Browns like on the second drive and then Dick Stockton and then when Procease went back to field a kick, Dick Stockton was like, "Oh, you mentioned CJ Procease earlier." He was like, "Yeah, you said he was on the other team." It was embarrassing. I get it. They've been around for a long time. They should not ever be on the air together again. So, Ken, I know what you're saying. Act like Jamie Gillen and punt that broadcast. Do not take anything away from it. Sorry, Scott. I was so angry
4: <laughs> listening to it. <laughs> but, say, say, quickly, didn't he Didn't he say there was also a flag on the fourth down throw to Landry and it ended up being an orange shoe? It just not to really bang on this guy, but yeah. That's Although, tough, it, tough, tough it, in broadcast. his defense on that
2: one, there was stuff flying all over the place. Everywhere, space. right.
4: <laughs> See, I normally don't listen
3: to the broadcast, but today I did, and I – paid dearly for it uh and what ellison doug said is correct it was all over the place i think I, I got the impression that matt millen hasn't really seen much of nick chubb because at one point he talked about kareem hunt having the kind of breakaway speed uh, yeah. he insinuated that he had better breakaway speed than nick chubb but if you've ever seen nick chubb you know play at all in this league you've seen him uh clearly have excellent breakaway speed and you know on that last, that last play. If it's not the last play of the game, he's motoring into the end zone, pulling away from everybody. So yeah, it was just, it was not a good experience. Uh, if you were listening to the broadcast.
2: Yeah. I think this game was, uh, you know, again, I, I said it earlier, we all knew miles Garrett was really good. We all knew Nick Chubb was really good. This game was sort of a, Oh yeah, we missed. We really did miss Nick Chubb over these last few games. We missed watching him play football. Um, And it was also sort of a reminder of how good these two are. These two really are together because they're sort of different runners too, which, which has really stood out to me this year. Chubb is kind of that breakaway second level guy and Kareem hunt. It feels like Kareem hunt just has five guys hanging off of him on every single run. And he just drags them. They're they're just very different runners. And I think that's part of, part of why it works so well. Doug, wait, we haven't gotten your take on the, your kind of overarching take on on this game yet before we go to our, our next question.
6: Just real quick. I just finished my column on this. I really focused on like a, a, a second and seven throw in the second quarter that, that Baker completed to Austin Hooper. It was kind of an innocuous play, but my point with that was I just thought there were multiple times when the Browns could have lost this game and they didn't. So there's a difference between sometimes you make winning plays like Miles Garrett makes winning plays. Miles Garrett stops Deshaun Watson on fourth and two right there were baker had like an awesome throw on third and 18 on the touchdown drive to richard higgins i'm sure you guys have talked about this but there's also just sometimes times when you have a chance to just screw up right like the david and joku drop against the raiders right i mean just stuff like that i just felt like they didn't do that so even though it was weird and kind of ugly i didn't listen to the browns post game at all i listened to the entire texans post game and it was just a team all talking about that there was a winnable game there for the taking and they couldn't do it. And it's like, Oh my God, it's flashbacks. How many times have you heard that in Brown's locker rooms over the past 20 years? And it was the other team saying it because they made a couple winning plays, but they also made some non losing plays. And I just thought, you know, it's weird, but like you have to give credit for the little times in the course of the game where they could have blown it and like they didn't blow it so it's it's just how teams win
3: i think they probably had just one drop if you're going to count that kareem hunt near spectacular catch i don't even know if they'll count that as a drop but that was probably the only one they had five last uh, the last time they played so
2: that's an improvement yeah i mean i i'm trying to think of another play and that and that one was one that was kind of thrown behind him a little bit too so for for all the drop issues he's had i don't know how much you can put that one on him um All right, let's go to Hayden here. He's had his hand up for a little while. One of our former pickers uh, as well. Hayden, you can uh, unmute when you're ready and go ahead.
0: Hey, um, with all this talk about the offense, how about the defense somewhat kind of coming together today and looking more like they're playing as a group? Now, guarantee the weather may have helped a little bit in controlling Deshaun Watson's ability to throw it deep to Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, all those guys. But I think today the defense personally looked a lot better playing together and only allowed three points, I believe. Seven, sorry. Seven, yeah. What
2: credit to this defense. I mean, they were certainly helped out by by the weather, but they did what they were supposed to do. And, you know, there was really only kind of one moment, I think, when you were really scared of Deshaun Watson, and that was on that final drive when he got him to those seven points and he made – kind of that spectacular play. It was, a, I mean, look, it was a jump ball, but it's a play Deshaun Watson makes and then the throw to Faro Brown, I believe it was, for the touchdown. I, I thought they did a good job against a team they should have done a good job against.
6: Can I say that they deserve credit in the moment? Do not take any of this credit forward. Right, this uh, is, yeah, wait. exactly. Like this is, do not like feel better about the Browns defense for next week or the week after because of today. Because again, Deshaun Watson was talking about, I mean, it was obvious, but, like he couldn't throw it. I mean, they had Will Fuller a couple times and he just, it's like the ball moved in the air. So like, yes, but I just would hedge anybody. Just don't allow yourself to slip into like, oh, maybe they figured some stuff out. It's like, no, it's the same. It's the same. It's Miles, Denzel and and some other stuff. Cause Deshaun just could not be Deshaun today.
4: Yeah. I think Brown Sands can take away from this defense that, you know, like Doug said, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, um, I think Ronnie Harrison's here to stay. Uh, he continues yeah. to look sharp and just make key tackles uh, in critical moments. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi uh, look fresh again. Those are all encouraging signs. But we got to remember that this Texans offense turned the ball over on downs on the Cleveland two-yard line and missed a field goal. You know that that's potentially leaving at, at worst six points on the board, and and that could could win you a, a game this close. So there are, there are moments where. Yeah, they stepped up and they created that turnover. They do get credit for that, but that's Miles Garrett, that's Larry Ogunjobi, that's Sheldon Richardson. Um, the weather really made this Texans offense play left-handed and they couldn't unlock anything downfield with Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks.
3: If Texans fans still care, they're probably going to be very upset about Romeo not kicking the field goal uh, early on that, uh, when, when they got that down to the four, because you know, that's a tie game. I'm sure that's going to be a topic of conversation, but do we know Texans fans are still in this? Are they still engaged?
2: Do
4: we know any Do we know any Texans fans? That made no sense to me because, like, I understand being aggressive, but, like, did you not watch the game that the Raiders played in Cleveland just two weeks ago? I mean, it, with the weather being the exact same, it was a carbon copy game, and every point mattered in that one, and you figured this would be the same thing. You got to take your points there, but, it, you know, it, it is what it is, and the Browns win because of it probably.
6: And again, he was asked about all this stuff in the, in the Houston post game. And it's just one of those. I know there was a report sort of earlier today. Maybe Romeo is back next year. It's just, it can't. I mean, it can't be. It's just one of those things. He's like, well, we needed touchdowns. And then it was like, then you fake this or you do that instead. It's like, well, then we needed this. And it was just like, it. it a lot of the pieces didn't necessarily fit together in the reasoning. And again, which is one of those, uh, the, when I jumped on and someone was saying, it's like Kevin Stefanski in the second half coached a pretty good game with some of the strategic stuff. And I think, I think if, and it's, he's an interim head coach, he's, he's an interim head coach. He's in a tough spot. The coaching matchup helped the Browns a lot today too.
2: Tyson points out, shouldn't Romeo know about this since he coached here before. And on top of that, one of the reasons Romeo's team didn't make the playoffs that year was a game that they didn't exactly play well uh, in the wind. So uh, he's, he's certainly got experience. Now that was not here. That was in Cincinnati, but he's got experience uh, with some Cleveland weather, I think. Uh, but this is not a Texans post game show. And, and that does sort of underscore where these two franchises are. And, and it's, it's sort of bizarre if you think about it, because I think you feel better about the Browns moving forward. Even if you're kind of looking at the Texans and saying, man, I, I kind of like that number four at quarterback. <laughs> The Browns just have a lot of structure here already in place. And, and it's just, you don't see that very often. When a team has a quarterback, you you usually feel better about that team. But the Browns were still kind of figuring out Baker Mayfield, but you feel better about them than the team they just beat today.
4: Yeah. Another reason to feel good about this Browns team right now is that the Philadelphia Eagles lost seven or 27-17 to the Giants today while that game was going on. Uh, Carson Wentz completed 56% of his passes. That team's broken. That offense is broken. Um, I guess you never know with a guy like Carson Wentz who can come in and make some magic happen. But, man, they're turning the wrong way after a bye week. um, And this Browns team is headed in an opposite direction. All right. Let's uh, let's bring on
2: Gary here. who's had his hand raised for a little bit. Gary, you can go ahead when you're ready.
0: Hey, guys, Um, I'm all in on Stefanski, too. It feels so good to have like a legit coach in like 20 years, you know. (laughs) <laughs> or really, since Marty? Well, no,
6: Bill was, I guess, but <laughs> not in Cleveland. Anyway, I, I guess I'm expecting more out of our tight end play, especially given how much he he uses tight ends. And we have a good group of tight ends, uh, especially in weather today. I, I thought we would see uh, more passes to them. Um, what's your take on that? Do you th- think it's something that we're going to see going forward? Is it really he likes him so much just to block for our running game?
3: Yeah, where was Harrison Bryant today? Uh, You know, Bryant and Njoku both had uh, pretty big moments over the last couple games, and that didn't uh, carry over today. I think the Raiders game, uh, it was basically Kareem Hunt and tight ends catching, uh, or at least having most of the targets, and then Jarvis Landry, and uh, it was just a different story today. I was surprised that Higgins ended up having the most targets out of anybody on the rounds, Um, but as Doug said, Hooper made, I guess, he made the catch when he had to. on that that third down, but it was, it's weird that that is something that just kind of disappeared today. Just the tight ends and
2: their impact. I I think generally, and sort of like the defense, I think today and even the Raiders game are are just, they're really hard days to make big judgments about this team. And and I would have liked them to do a little more with the tight ends, maybe some tight end screens, things like that. Um, A little bit like what Houston was doing with the shorter, quicker passes. They weren't to the tight ends necessarily, but I I wouldn't have minded seeing more of that in the first half. But, you know, I think today's just a really hard day to judge off of because of the conditions, because they really did decide in the second half, we're just going to run the football. And, you know, unless they got into a situation where they had to throw it. Uh, So we'll kind of see moving forward. I think how they use those guys because they are going to need more out of Austin Hooper at some point. You paid this guy a lot of money. I think you're, again, getting into those those dominoes, kind of getting realigned here where, okay, now Austin Hooper's back, so that means Harrison Bryant's in a better spot. That means less of David Njoku. Uh, But now that they kind of have all those things in place, we are going to need to see more out of that group.
6: I'll be curious, and maybe we can get to this on Gotta Watch the Tape this week. I I don't even know how often the tight ends were out in routes sometimes. I don't know if they kept those guys in more to help protect Baker or you're pinned deep on some of the stuff. Hooper had two targets. That was the only two targets to the tight ends today, but Hooper had a good block on Chubb's touchdown run, right? That he sort of sealed that off. So I think people have been talking about that. You paid Austin Hooper to catch the ball, but he actually, I think is
4: helping this team, even when they're not thrown to him. Yeah. We're not going to get an accurate um, reading on the, the overall passing attack of this team until the winds in downtown Cleveland stop swirling at 40 miles an hour. Um, and then if we're going to sit here and throw out the Ravens game and throw out the Steelers game, well, and then two bad weather games, that's a quarter of your throwing season. out a lot of games. <laughs> just throw it I'm just saying that's a quarter. That's a quarter of your season that you're like, well, what kind of passing attack does this team have? And now, especially without Odell Beckham Jr., um, we're still trying to figure that out. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like against the Eagles. I agree with you guys. They're going to need more production out of their tight ends. Um, we haven't seen them attack the seams and get vertical with these guys at all this season. Uh, I thought maybe that'd be something we'd see as a bi-week wrinkle that Stefanski would bring in, and the conditions probably through any you know shot plays, downfield plays just right out of the the play sheet for him.
2: I I do think that's what they're going to really need from Hooper, though. I think that's the area where they're going to need, because you don't have Odell Beckham, and I think there were times today when it showed up, and I I think there's going to be times when you play a better defense, and they're just not going to care about your downfield passing game because you know Jarvis Landry's not running by anybody and Donovan Peoples Jones hasn't really done a whole lot since uh, he, he made that catch against Cincinnati so until you kind of show teams that they need to be worried about that um, they're they're not going to respect it so you know, maybe Austin Hooper can help there you know whether it's seam routes as a tight end whether you're splitting him out uh, in, in the slot or even out wide you know maybe he'll give you a little bit of that downfield attack All right. Um, there was a question here in the chat and with this team, at six wins. Now, I think we've talked about this a little bit before, how many wins does it take to get to the playoffs? Do you guys think?
3: I thought you were going to say to get the center of a Tootsie roll (laughs) pop. Uh, well, this win improved their chances to 59% according to PFF, or the loss would have pushed them back to 34%. Um, you know, the, the problem is that the Raiders lost, and so now you're in this battle with the Raiders and the Dolphins. Uh, I still say, I mean, if they keep it at seven, if they don't add that eighth game they've been talking about, then I'd, I'd say probably 10. It just seems like there's, there, there's a race now, and, and 10 probably gets you in.
4: Yeah, it's getting really competitive. Um, the Tennessee game is going to be monumental in the, in this race, uh, the, the Titans haven't looked good really since they've lost their starting left tackle, um, losing on Thursday night and whatnot, but uh, it's a huge game. And like you said, the Raiders loss now becomes a, a, a little worrisome, uh, but 10 wins feel safe. Um, you know, Miami is uh, playing right now. Uh, the Raiders are playing right now. So we'll know a lot more by the end of the night, uh, but you have to look at the Brown schedule and, and like the fact that they still have an Eagles team, which I am writing about and continue to crap all over uh, two New York games, uh, even though the Giants look, eh, I don't know, they, they look okay. Uh, and then they're still going to Jacksonville. So you, you got to feel comfortable and feel like the Browns are in a, in a bit of a driver's seat.
6: I, I think we are at scoreboard watching phase, though, that as you guys are listening to, you know, everybody in the Zoom I would imagine you have your eye on the Miami score and you have your eye on the Raiders score. Cause that's going to matter because, you know, you don't want to freak people out. I mean, I, I don't know. There might be a chance that, that 10 wins is, a, is in a tiebreaker situation right. that there's multiple teams at 10 wins and there's no reason this team shouldn't shoot for 11. The t- Tennessee is not who we thought they were a couple games ago. And you know what? as much as we're throwing out the ball, to, you, know, you know what? Everything's on the table. We still have not seen the best of this team. Everything's on the table. So can I say don't settle for 10? If you want to If you want to <laughs> think this team can win 11, go ahead and think it.
2: Well, 11's definitely going to get you in. I don't think you're going to be dealing with tiebreakers at 11. But no, exactly. I, I mean, I'm with, I'm with you on Tennessee. I think we've been grouped – I think all season we kind of grouped that game with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. But I think we've reached a point now where we separate that one out. So we've got these – you know Houston, Philadelphia, Jags, Jets, Giants, but then there's Tennessee, kind of in a tier by themselves in the middle there, and then uh, and then you've got the Steelers and the Ravens, which are the two teams you've really got to be able to conquer at one point. And I want to see this team play those those teams here in Cleveland, especially that Baltimore team on a Monday night. So um, yeah, I mean, look, ten or eleven is not unrealistic at this point. I, I don't love to count wins necessarily because I'm like we saw today. So something can go wrong in a game or you could get into some wonky conditions like you did against the Raiders when, when you lost that game or you know they could have played an impact today but the browns ended up winning so you just never know what you're going to come across uh another question and we talk about this every week welcome to being the quarterback did we learn anything about Baker today or not
4: He was inaccurate today, and you can blame the weather, um, but some of these short throws with his arm strength shouldn't be an issue. Um, He was behind on that people's – they really all happened three in a row. Behind on that Peoples-Jones throw in the second quarter, Uh, Peoples-Jones caught it. Then behind Kareem Hunt on that out on third down uh, would have moved the the chains. And then on fourth down, he does what he does best and rolls to his right and has Jarvis Landry breaking free, and perhaps maybe that's a, a weather throw or he's just completely missed him. Uh, but that's one where Jarvis may walk into the end zone uh, 60% completion. I think 12 of 20 today. Um, it, it's, I, I still can't figure it out. He's, he's pinpoint accurate at times. And then on some simple ones, he he just misses. I mean, he's inconsistent
6: and all those things you said are true. There were even
4: completions he
6: had that the completion was a little bit off with the accuracy, but then you have to say the other side of it. Again, the, 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 Texans were raving about the third and 18 throw to Higgins. The guy who was the safety was like, hey, listen, they ran a route in the flat that they tried to pull me up. I was too smart. I didn't bite. I made it. So he had to put some air on it and he put it, he made a perfect throw on third and 18. And then that was their only touchdown drive. So there are moments where he makes the perfect throw. He had a step, he stepped up in the pocket and ripped one on third down to Higgins on an earlier drive that was a perfect maneuverability in the pocket, step up, rip it, and then he's off. So like, you know, it's maddeningly inconsistent, but there is stuff there. And it's like, man, if you can just get a little more of the good and a little less of the bad, it's why he's so tantalizing to a lot of people. But I think what we learned is that he continues to be inconsistent.
3: Yeah, I think we're going to be talking about this every week and we're not going to, it's not likely we're going to see these games, many games where Baker Mayfield has to win the game. You know, he had the the 22 straight completion game and he had a great first half against the Colts, but more often than not, it's going to be games where he's not throwing a lot and it's the run game taking over. And I mean, again, and they Baker and Kevin Stefanski both said that the win today was even worse than it was against the Raiders game. So I guess you have to factor that in, you know, he did. It is what it is to quote Nick Chubb. (laughs)
4: Yeah, and it's, um, in, it's important to point out no turnovers either. Uh, if he throws a pick in this game, the, the Browns probably lose just based on the you know opportunity and the number of punts uh, that, that was already going on. So, you know, he doesn't turn the ball over in this one. And um, though it's not anything that you run home about, it's, it's a, because it's a problem of his, it's a, very encouraging to see that that didn't happen today.
2: I, I think, weirdly, we might actually be able to come away next week with some sort of idea of where Baker has progressed from when we saw him against Pittsburgh, because Philadelphia has one of the best pass rushes in football for as bad as they are. You know, they had um, looking at two more sacks today. No, I'm sorry, three more sacks today. Uh, Obviously that was against Daniel Jones. Um, But they have, you know, whether you're looking at just counting stats, whether you're looking at pro football, uh, pro football focus, whether you're looking at football outsiders, by any metric, they have one of the best pass rushes in football. And that's sort of been the issue with Baker. How does he deal with those pass rushes? And hopefully we'll have a little better weather to kind of see how he operates uh, against that sort of team. So I'm curious to see what he does uh, against Philadelphia on that pass rush next year. I, I don't expect him to be, you know, to me, he doesn't have to be a top 10 or top five quarterback for this team to win football games, but he's got to be competent and he's got to make throws when he needs to make them. And he, he did on that third down today, at least. Uh, so I just want to see how he deals with that Philadelphia pass rush next year or next week. I'm really curious about that specifically.
6: And the other thing we'll be able to come away with next week is that the Browns were right to not draft Carson Wentz.
3: <laughs> Somebody tweeted out that it's supposed to be horrible weather again. So we could, we couldn't have three straight games yeah, think- of, of caveats with, with this, but uh, I put up a poll after the game to grade Baker Mayfield's performance today and fans right now are giving him a B. That's there you about, go. that sound about right? That sounds about right.
2: Yes, yeah. And they won the game. That always helps. Let's go back to Hayden. I'm going to ask you to unmute.
0: Go ahead. Uh, back, back to the whole scheduling question and how this looks. I mean, the rest of these seven games, you can talk talk yourself into a lot of these games, but – the the Titans haven't looked like the same team, like, like you guys said, since Taylor Luan went down. I watched them Thursday night. They did not look very well against the Colts defense. And the Ravens, I don't know if you guys saw the report that came out, that Lamar Jackson openly said that teams are calling out their plays at the line of scrimmage. So I don't know if that's going to play into fact at all in that. Week seventeen, the Steelers game may not even matter because the Steelers may just run, run away with this division with how good they are. So what are you guys going to take on that? 12 and four.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. I, I would be cautious uh, about writing off the Ravens uh, because even though they aren't quite the team they were last year, uh, they still have only lost to the Steelers and the Chiefs. So I think the Ravens are still the class of, well, Pittsburgh obviously is undefeated. So maybe it's Pittsburgh. I don't know. But the Ravens are still a team that are at a a different level than the Browns. And even though there's some things happening there and and there were the the Lamar quotes and things like that, that sort of happens sometimes and you've had success and and maybe it's a little bit more of a slog the next year. I'm, I'm I'm not ready to write off the Ravens just yet.
4: Yeah, the Ravens have a Monday night game with the Patriots uh, tomorrow. That we'll learn a lot about uh, this Ravens offense and where it actually is. I, I mean, they just beat a good Colts defense that the Browns fans know all about. Uh, but if they can get wins against you know that Colts front and then a Bill Belichick defense, uh, you're going to feel pretty comfortable with with the Ravens. And then just give, as as these teams march towards their Week 14 Monday night football matchup, uh, the Browns have a chance to you know win five, four straight before going and hosting Baltimore in what would be just a colossal Monday night game. And if they're playing their best football uh, in week 14, it is a chance to really make a statement and completely make up for their first two division games against Baltimore and and Pittsburgh. But I just think it's about Kevin Stefanski getting this team and this, this offensive engine moving in the right direction and then peaking. First statement game Monday night against the Ravens.
6: And you always have to think, I like to think about what other teams now think when they see the Browns on their schedule and what they think now is, man, you can't let Chubb and hunt get rolling. If we're down, if they get ahead in the second half, we're dead. We can't let the Browns get a lead on us. They're thinking, I don't know how we're going to stop miles Garrett. That guy. So, I mean, it's one of those things, again, there, there are a lot of bad teams on this schedule. You can't assume anything, but when teams are getting ready to play the Browns now, they have questions about how they're going to deal with them too.
4: And I forgot the, my, the Vikings play on Monday night. How, how could I forget? So it's Vikings-Bears Monday night, and then we got <laughs> Sunday football with Ravens. Patriots. We, we all try to
2: forget about the Vikings, Ellis. I don't blame And the, and the Bears too. That's, exactly. I don't
4: blame anyone of you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Doug, Doug, you're right. Defensive coordinators are spending these weeks not sleeping because they have to figure out a way to stop Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt running the football and offensive coordinators are trying to figure out where miles Garrett is going to line up and how they're going to keep him off their quarterback long enough. And uh, that includes his good teams. That includes the Steelers. That includes the Ravens. Uh, There there are people on this Browns roster that they really have to game plan for. And that even if they spend a hundred hours every week, game planning for miles Garrett, they still might not be able to stop him. So, you know, the Browns are, are not in the tier of the Steelers and Ravens uh but that's okay they don't have to be yet this season they're going to have a whole off season with a lot of money and more draft picks and guys getting better uh, and, and you know you hope Baker progresses and gets better and, and that's the natural step that, that you hope they'll take in this coming off season all right uh anything we need to add here did we miss anything I think we've uh, i think we've got it all covered because i can't think of anything else to talk about and there's we no were more thorough very thorough i'll tell you what this look let's be honest this was a game where i was literally sitting there watching a pigeon and I, I think it became a topic on the broadcast too i was watching a pigeon line up in the slot at one point and uh it was it was not a very exciting game for about two and a half quarters at least so
6: doug did, did we did anyone talk about this are we should the Browns be out of the business of trusting Donovan Peoples-Jones?
2: That's a, you know what? Somebody brought that up in the chat, and, and that's actually a good, that's I am. a good thing to bring up. Well, you know what you can't do is you can't feel that kickoff. You, you can't have that kickoff play.
6: That guy makes me nervous every time the ball is coming toward him in any situation. And I, and, I mean, that, that is a losing play, right? You do that, and then you do, when you go to pick it up, you flub it. That's a losing play. And I'm not, I don't know who the options are. I know JoJo Nadson got hurt and whatever. That guy's a sixth-round rookie. This is a team trying to make the playoffs. Maybe figure something else out. I don't trust that guy. He caught both his targets today. There's that, right? <laughs> I don't he know if catches have- it with his body. Baker hit him right in the chest. He catches it like he's catching a teddy bear. No, zero trust.
4: I don't know if they have a lot of options at, at, at kick return or guys that are – at least bring some, you know, explosive opportunities, but you're right. If you're not, if you're not fielding the ball, that's the, that's the first part of fielding a kick, of course, or starting your kick return. And um, you're right. That was, that's a losing play that almost cost them. I mean, maybe Don trail Hilliards activated next week. You know,
2: you got it. You got to at least just have somebody back there and catch the football and, and make sure that you're not going to make a play like that, where the Texans just scored to make it 10, seven. I mean, that, that could have lost them the like, literally I mean, you say it's a losing play to, but literally that could have lost them the game. So yeah, it's, it's concerning. And I think that might be, it would not shock me if Mike Prefer or Kevin Stefanski or someone says this week, they're going to go in a different direction in the kick return game, because you're in a playoff chase. These coin flip games matter.
4: All right. So there we go. Ellis. Yeah, I just want to close on this. If we get 40-mile-hour wins again next Sunday, this is my Minnesota in me speaking, but all football games should be played in domes. I'm just I'm sick of seeing games altered by weather. I can handle it maybe once, perhaps twice, but if we do this again, oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm just done. Dome, get dome in Cleveland, y'all.
2: Everyone was so bored today during this game that there actually was a dome debate happening on yeah. Twitter at one point.
6: What is the other side of the dome debate? What is the side of, no, I like wind and snow and everybody in the stands being miserable. Who's football on that weather. side? Football weather, dog. weather,
4: be tough, that, all that nonsense.
6: But for real, that's that's the thing that people actually say out loud. I mean, if there's like a money, the city shouldn't pay for it, whatever. Well, that's, I, a, that's, that's a whole that's nother, thing. T-
4: we'll do a whole nother
2: podcast on who should pay for whose stadium. But, but if you, <laughs> if like money aside,
6: if your choice is dome, no dome, and your answer is football weather, please go back to living in 1935.
3: And, and the other side of the argument is, and Ella should know this being in Minnesota is Bud Grant walking out there in you know, 20 degree weather and short sleeves uh, to coach the Vikings. All those years of, of ridiculously cold weather games in Minnesota. That's that's the other side. It's it's football weather. Like I said, it's 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 nostalgia for the Packers, uh, you know, frozen tundra, all that people. People aren't going to get over that
4: back when the dinosaurs played.
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll tell everyone this we I've, I've gotten to go to some really nice indoor facilities uh in the last couple of years and these places when they got the roofs open and the windows open like in dallas they open up the windows you feel like you're outside when it's 70 degrees out but then when it's like this you can close everything up and actually play a football game all right we're not going down that road we got to wrap this podcast up that can be how about how about you guys make that the friday gotta watch the tape don't we're going to
3: break down climate control
2: (laughs) bond issues what would it cost the city (laughs) all right thanks everybody for jumping in here again if you're listening to this and you want to get involved in football insider go to cleveland.com slash browns click on the blue banner at the top of the page make sure you're subscribed to the orange and brown talk podcast if you are not because we bring you seven podcasts every single week and you want to be able to listen to all of them and get them right there on your phone so Uh, Scott Ellis, Doug, of course, Mary Kay was here earlier. Thanks everyone for uh, joining in. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.